is KEXU 96.1 FM And this is KEXU 96.1 FM Pole People's Revolutionary Radio I'm JV and you're listening to Free Aslan And uh, in today's show We have a very good show today I'll be um, reading today. I'm going to be reading a pamphlet that I wrote. Uh, this is going to be um, a pamphlet that I wrote in prison. And so it's going to be a very, very good show. You're going to hear, you know, prison. There's a lot of prison writers, a lot of artists, a lot of creative people. And uh, the problem is um, everybody's locked away and shut away and um there's a lot of talented people so you know i'm gonna show off some of the stuff that's going on in prison um this is something that um i wrote in 2014 um and so it's gonna be very good uh one of the things that i want to talk about first um is um of course, the situation with this virus, uh, you know, the virus, um, you know, for people out here, it's a situation that, you know, we're dealing with trying to stay safe and, uh, you know, and all of that. But, you know, for people in prison, you know, um, they, they have no choice. They, they, can't, they can't shelter in place. They can't be six feet from each other. Um, they can't do nothing but sit you know, at arm's distance from uh, other people. So this is something that, uh, you know, prisoners are dealing with, our loved ones, our friends, family, uh, neighbors, um, all of that. Um, you know, so this is something that's, you know, serious that we want to, uh, you know, we need to, we need to have the state release them. You know, they need to release them. So, um, you know, and, you know, people are continuing to struggle over that, you know, trying to get, uh, you know, uh, our loved ones released, you know, and uh, many of the people that are uh, in these prisons, you know, they, um, you know, a lot of them are, are nonviolent uh, people who are, are you know, um, sent to these prisons and, and some of them are getting out soon. And some of them won't be able to get out soon because, um, you know, this situation's going on. So this is something that, you know, we need to address. We need to uh, find ways to hold uh, the state accountable um, in order to um, release our loved ones. And, um, you know, we're not going to um, be happy until our loved ones are released. So, you know, we, we want to um, get the word out. Um, you know, we want to make sure that, um, you know, our people, um, are heard, that our loved ones are safe. And just like people want to be safe in here, uh, out here in minimum custody, uh, we want our loved ones to be, uh, safe in there as well. So, you know, um, you know, we, we need to get this done. And, and, you know, the, the ones that, that got the power right now, uh, you know, they can release everybody. They don't want to, of course. Um, so, you know, this is something we got to make them do. Uh, we got to apply pressure and, uh, and make sure that, um, you know, 
that they release our people. So, you know, we got to keep fighting, keep struggling for them, and uh, make sure that um, our loved ones um, are released. And, uh, you know, I want to mention as well that, um, you know, this, um, this, this COVID, this COVID-19, um, you know, it's, um, it's a situation that, you know, highlights um, the deficiencies of capitalism. You know, it, it highlights, um, you know, the, um, you know, everything that's wrong with capitalism. And, um, you know, it, it, it shows us that um, the system that they have um, is not working. Um, this system is not working. Uh, we need another system. We need, um, you know, we need something else, you know, and, and we need a form of government that, um, you know, that uh, is, you know, um, sufficient for our people because this government isn't, it isn't working. It, it's, it's doing nothing for our people. So, you know, and, and as you've seen, um, you know, they're basically telling people to stay indoors. Well, how about the people who, they don't have nothing indoors? You know, what are they supposed to do? So, you know, this is something that uh, we need to find ways and in, in, in to, you know, um, you know, dig our way out of this situation. And it's, it stems from colonialism. You know, this is colonialism um, without a doubt. You know, this is colonialism all the way. And... Um, you know, this is something that, um, you know, that we can't go on, um, we can't go on, um, um, you know, submitting to, you know, we got to find ways to um, get this, you know, up off of us. So, you know, um, you know, we got to find everything that we can, we got to work together and organize and, um, and send a message. We have to send a message to the oppressor, to the state. Um, we have to let the state know that um, we're just tired of this. But anyway, I wanted to mention a documentary that is coming up very soon. Uh, it's coming up April, Friday, April the 24th. Um, this is a documentary um, that was made uh, about me and my experience in solitary confinement. Uh, and this documentary was filmed by... Uh, Charlie Trujillo. Charlie Trujillo is a filmmaker and publisher. He's the um, publisher of Choose My House. And Choose My House publishes books. You know, Charlie has published uh, many books. Uh, he's published a documentary, his own documentary called Soldados, um, that is about his experience in Vietnam. Uh, so, you know, he, this guy knows, you know, Charlie knows what he's doing. He's a great filmmaker, great publisher. And, um, and so he made a documentary about me. Um, and it's going to be, we're going to, they're going to have the premiere, uh, coming up. Um, it's going to be, uh, by Choose My House and the San Jose State University Culture Counts Reading Series. Um, and they're going to be doing a Zoom screen, uh, screening and conversation uh, with me and Charlie Trujillo. Um, and this is going to be Friday, April 24th at 7 p.m. 
to 8.30 p.m. So everybody who can, uh, go ahead and um, you could check out either my, um, my Instagram at Aslam Press uh, or Instagram at Joey Villarreal. Or you could check out my Facebook, Joey Villarreal, and then you'll see the link right there. Or look up Choose My House on Facebook uh, or Instagram, and you could check out the link there. And so it's going to be very, very good. Uh, I can't wait. It's going to be um, very, very good. Educational. It's talking about solitary confinement. It's talking about um, basically... Um, a little bit about my life growing up in San Jose, Califaslan, and you know it's gonna be very very good. So check it out. But now let me go on to. Um, I wanted to read a pamphlet. Uh, I made this pamphlet. I wrote this pamphlet when I was in prison, and you know, for some of you listeners um, that don't know. Um, I spent a little time on, on, on vacation, uh, you know, and, um, you know, and while I was there, I did a lot of different things. Some of the things that I did was uh, writing. I did some um, artwork. Uh, you know, some of my work was published in Aslan Realism, Chicano Revolutionary Art from Pelican Bay Shoe, and that's an art book that, um, that I put out. And also, I did some writing. I did quite a quite a few writings and this particular um piece is called strike it up a rousing lump in thought while building public opinion and this piece was published in 2014 i wrote it in 2014 it was um it was published in california prison focus um, it was also published in um, uh, a publication called The Rock. The Rock is um, a publication um, aimed at prisons. Uh, and, and so you could either go to prisons.org and then punch in Strike It Up or Jose Villarreal, either one, and then you'll find the... Um, You'll find the link somehow on their website, prisons.org. And so let me, I'm going to start reading this pamphlet. Um, this particular pamphlet was written um, about um, prison writers. Um, you know, it, it was written in order to, um, in order to spark um, interest in, you know, because there's many talented writers in prison. However, um, a lot of them, you know, um, don't publish. You know, it's very hard to publish from prison. Um, so this, I was very happy and proud when this article was published. But let me, let me go ahead and read it. So, strike it up. A rousing lump in thought while building public opinion. And it starts off with a quote from Mao, Chairman Mao, in his, in his article on protracted war, which was written in 1938. And so the quote goes, without, quote, without preparedness, superiority is not real superiority, and there can be no initiative either. Having grasped this point, a force which is inferior but prepared 
can often defeat a superior enemy by surprise attack, end quote. And so I'll get into the writing now. Intro. It has been said that writing is an art form. It can, in certain instances, be seen as an art. But when it comes to power struggles, writing becomes necessary for survival. The prison writer, to be specific, is confined on many levels. Where the prisoner is most free is in the theoretical realm. Because prison struggles for human rights is a protracted struggle. This means the prisoner needs to use everything accessible, including the pen and paper. Prison literature, which is created by the captive from our perspective, is a weapon because it can be empowering and liberating. When prisoners create articles, theory, or critiques, it not just teaches other prisoners and sparks deeper analysis within the prison masses, but it also shines a light on these concentration camps and helps to raise the awareness of these camps. In this sense, prison lit educates both sides of the prison walls and draws more into the struggle for prisoners' rights and human rights more generally. It is critical that Lumpen understand what their political position is in this society. How can one change a situation without understanding it in the first place? The fact that the U.S. has millions in prison can't be understood fully without knowing what creates these conditions that necessitate so many to be entombed. The fact that crime, quote, crimes, unquote, were broken is not what this mass imprisonment is about. As I will get into in this writing, it goes far deeper than this. <clears throat> Discovering our power will not just be realized through the physical realm with future strikes and prisoners' workers' unions, but it will also surface through our literature. Once harnessed, prison writers and theoreticians will be one of our biggest weapons in our quest for rights. Ending torture and solitary confinement will be one step in our march toward liberation on a grander scale. Our writers will play a role in this reality to finally spring forth. All great movements and revolutions have always had writers at the helm in the process, and the prison movement for human rights will be no different. There are many different approaches for striking up an assessment or theory of our social reality. Some may tie history into our current situation. Others may raise theoretical questions or create theory of our situation. All of these efforts are important and add to a growing collection of contemporary prison thought. This is important because thought leads to practice. No people or nation was ever liberated without thought and practice. They feed off of each other and propel a people forward through a painful process of learning from one's mistakes, of learning from history, or, put, or to put it politically, through historical materialism. Writers do and always have helped contribute to this process. When words sprout from concrete oppression. Writers in general are the translators of truth. 
the writer at once perceives the world in which they exist, captures it, and delivers this reality to the people. At times, the writer wraps this reality in flowery, flowery language, adds humor to the message, or nudges the reader along in nuance. Either way, the writer becomes the conveyor of truth, whether it be a good or bad truth. The writer thus enshrines a phenomenon onto the printed page for the writer's peers to grapple with as well as future generations to learn from. The prison writer, it is, is much more of a consuming process because of the dire situation and realities that prison writers must contend with. Our literature is birthed through a canal of brutality and at times torture. For those in control units and especially in solitary confinement, writing becomes a struggle of survival. Many, for many, their, san their sanity dangles by a thread. And for others, the struggle for justice compels one to use words as weaponized ideas, which resist what is occurring in U.S. prisons. The state does not take too kindly to the prison writer, or any writer for that matter. Those who challenge the state and help to highlight their dirty deeds are met with more repression or complete isolation. At times, the prisoner will be prevented or hindered greatly from expressing oneself or tackling a phenomenon. The ability to educate the public is almost always frowned upon by the state. In Khalifas, the state often labels prison writings as gang activity. This is done because the state understands the power of words. In history, prisons around the world have always suppressed or attempted to suppress prison voices, especially those which spoke on behalf of the voiceless. The oppressed and colonized have always faced censorship from the oppressor nation. This has always been a part of the colonization process. But prisoners, and especially revolutionary prisoners, are a resourceful bunch. And these writers have always found ways to continue to write. Writing, then, is a form of resistance. Throughout history, if we look at writers, we find many who have been imprisoned for one reason or another. Cervantes, Voltaire, and Rousseau are but a few who have been imprisoned and who continued to write from within a cell. The prison writer, earmarking daily struggles against oppression and forms of resistance for future writing, becomes second nature, as fluid as the ink coloring the paper. Prisoners are the fertilizer for repressive shoots. For most prisoners, repression comes with all the other state-issued fish kit right alongside your toothbrush and blankets. But some of the people's greatest thinkers have done their best theoretical works within the most extreme forms of prison repression. The concrete cell in which they were held seemed to only enhance their ability to, to see the reality more clearly. Stripped of all bribes and illusion of the society in which they lived, they were able to not just explain their concrete reality, but then envision a better way forward, not just for prisoners, but for society as well. Their vision transcended the prison walls and scaled the fences in order to pave the theoretical way forward. 
In this way, the prison writer is freer than many outside prison walls. Lenin's first major study was his first book, The Development of Capitalism in Russia, which he wrote while he was in prison. Because of Lenin's revolutionary activity, the Tsarist state sent Lenin to a Siberian prison, which was a torturous experience. The intention was to break Lenin into subservience. His understanding of his social reality led him not to give up, but to continue to struggle even from within his prison cell, and continue to write, which culminated in his literary work. This work would be a contribution to the Russian people outside of prisons, who were struggling to understand the political reality of Tsarist Russia. In this sense, Lenin added to building awareness, to building public opinion of what was occurring in Russia, and he did this from within a prison cell. In Khalifas, George Jackson wrote his book, Soledad Brother, from within a prison cell. This was a time when prisoners did not have half the things that we have now. Some things were better, but a lot of things were worse. Repression was more present. Even though he may have been in the hole, George continued to write and agitate through the pen. His writings also led to the book, Blood in My Eye, which was also written in prison. The prison walls do not water down the effectiveness of and power of words. One only needs to look to how, US, how most U.S. prisons continue to ban the books of George Jackson to see this. As prisoners, our observations and thought may be even more powerful than if we were outside spectators because we give an assessment of the contemporary prison experience which is live and in color. The oppression is not in the abstract because we breathe it and live it daily. So it becomes clear to us and we can penetrate its essence and hear its heartbeat. Ricardo Flores Magón was another prison writer. He wrote consistently from his federal prison cell at Leavenworth. During the early part of the 20th century, his writings can still be found on the internet for those wanting to research Aslan during the early 20th century. His writings tackle the national oppression that Raza were going through at that time. Both of the Magon brothers were brilliant writers, whether they were inside or outside of prison walls. They propagated resistance to oppression within the United Snakes. Being in prison stopped nothing. Many other contemporary prison writers can be found today scratching out ideas from one concentration camp to another, coping with the same repression or torture as the other prisoners, while at the same time preserving the experience and thought for the people. Most of these prison theoreticians can be found in the pages of publications like Prison Focus, where theoretical resistance emerges and finds comfort. The prison writer must write as surely as one must consume water. Being a prison writer does not come free from threat from the state. Two of the above examples were silenced by the state and never left prison alive. Both writers delivering truth from within these bowels of the enemy are not the only writers who conflict and 
invite lethal repression from the state apparatus. Those outside of prison are not immune to threat. For the Chicano nation, the most glaring example of this repression lies with the assassination of Ruben Salazar. Salazar was a gifted Chicano writer whose work exposing the national oppression of Aslan helped build public opinion. After moving from his hometown of El Paso, Texas, to Northern Califas, where he worked as a journalist, he settled at the LA Times newspaper. Working first as a foreign correspondent traveling the world, this was a time when the Chicano movement was in full swing, and this helped Salazar to become conscious. Writing about the struggles that Chicanos were going through was what Salazar began to focus on. Despite his earlier attempts at assimilation, the reality was that assimilation was impossible. At one point, Salazar even said publicly about the Chicano situation, quote, we never will melt into that mythical melting pot, end quote. It was at this point that Salazar began to write for the people. Salazar saw that what the Rasa were going through at the time was going on unchecked. There was no voice addressing the attacks on Aslan, and he knew that as a Chicano, he needed to do his part for his people, and he began to write. Once he wrote about two Mexicanos who were murdered by the pigs, the pigs were indicted, but they warned him that his writings were dangerous. They told him to, quote, stop stirring up the Mexicans, unquote, and that, quote, Mexicans are not ready, unquote, for his writings. Not long afterwards, during the Chicano Moratorium March against the U.S. War on Vietnam on August 29, 1970, Ruben Salazar was killed by the pig, shot with a tear gas gun. A courageous brown voice distinguished by the state, his crime being standing up for his people and daring to struggle against the oppressor nation through sharp words which cut deeper than he probably knew. As uncomfortable as it must have been, the people always need our perspective explained. We need our press. People's literature. In any social movement throughout history, the momentum at some point when facing an oppressor will be a need for the people's side to be told. This will mean that a people's literature will be needed and a cadre of writers will need to be unleashed. This works to educate the people who may be bystanders to the particular struggles while bringing more to understand that we stand on the side of justice. Our version of history will require our own writers. In What is to be Done, Lenin described the use of literature as a form of war. He described this method of struggling via the pen as, quote, exposure literature, end quote. Where in Russia in his day, this literature sought to expose working conditions of the proletariat, and these writings were most effective. The Russian proletariat were the most revolutionary at the time in Russia. In the same vein, our people's literature needs to highlight the contradiction between prisoners and the state shine a light on the various forms of oppression that we face in U.S. prisons. Just as the state has propaganda, the people need our propaganda arm as well. 
This is possible via publishing, no matter what kind of concentration camp we may find ourselves in. Our writing should be harvested from the people, from the people in the method of from the masses to the masses. Mao explains this process as follows, quote, In all the practical work of our party, all correct leadership is necessarily from the masses to the masses. This means take the ideas of the masses, scattered and unsystematic ideas, and concentrate them through study, turn them into concentrated and systematic ideas. Then go to the masses and propagate and explain these ideas until the masses embrace them as their own, hold fast to them and translate them into action and test the correctness of these ideas in such action. Then once again, concentrate ideas from the masses and once again, go to the masses so that the ideas are preserved in and carried through and so on over and over again in an endless spiral with the ideas becoming more correct, more vital, and richer each time. Such is the Marxist theory of knowledge, end quote. From the masses to the masses is the process, as Mao explained, of taking the ideas of the people and synthesize them in their most advanced form and take them back to the people. This method is repeated and built on so that our ideas become more advanced and closer to the truth. Because our social reality, along with all phenomenon, is constantly changing, this process never ends. We constantly need to assess and reassess the people's thoughts and politicize the most advanced theory. It's important that we arouse the lump in to wield the power of the pen. Lit is a part of culture, and culture is an ideological weapon. One we need to use in the class struggle of the imprisoned lumpen and the state. Our target audience, first and foremost, is prisoners. It is essential for the prison mass to understand it is oppressed and then to realize its power. Political literature has a real role in the building of true political power. An organ in any mass movement is its scaffolding, which ensures a strong theoretical training and guidance. This is important because in any struggle, at some point, it needs a definite political character. The prison struggle for human rights is no different. If this is an embryonic class struggle that we are facing in prison, then we cannot fall back on primitive modes of struggle. We need to ensure we meet 21st century needs. This would include a strong propaganda arm. Social media, the creation of pamphlets, the production of solid articles and literature which deliver powerful portrayals of prison oppression and our struggles to obtain justice should be pursued with as much vigor as we can espouse. A people's literature should expose the fallacy of the state while promoting independence of the oppressed internal nations within the U.S. as well as the imprisoned lumpen. Such examples transform a people and ideologically unhitch the people from the oppressor. As Lenin said it, quote, From the moment all members of society or even only the overwhelming majority have learned to administer the state themselves, have taken this business into their own hands, 
have set up control over the insignificant minority of capitalists over the gentry who wish to preserve their capitalist habits and over the workers who have been completely demoralized by capitalism. From this moment, the need for government begins to disappear, end quote. A true people's lit exposes the state's errors at every turn. It also shows the people ways in which to rely on our own efforts and kicks state parameters and influence to the curb. This is when, as Lenin says, the need for the state becomes unnecessary in the minds of the people. There are dual struggles in constant battle within the people. These manifest in silence and speaking out, through passivity and activity and resistance and surrender. These struggles will ultimately determine the fate of our oppression. Paolo Freire described one's perception as an intervention in an oppressive reality, one that is not in the oppressor's interest. The state would rather prisoners not read of struggles or revolutionary theory of national liberation nor of socialism because it weakens its hold on our oppression. So in this sense, it is a struggle in the realm of ideas. Writing allows us to venture outside our oppression and not only visualize a world where our land is not occupied by the oppressor nation, but identify steps which overturn our oppression. The use of language is a rich medium full of a trove of expression and lessons. The use of figurative language, for example, is understood in ways other than its literal meaning. Just like the word Aslan, when used today in, discuss, in discussing the Chicano National Territory, we do not mean its historical definition of the origin of the Mexica, rather of what it implies to the Chicano nation today, and that is land. The prison, the writer should understand words, their power, and the contradictions. Paulo Freire defines the contradictions in words as, quote, reflection and action, end quote, where they are fused together in a unity of opposites. Words are at once reflective and active in the consciousness of the reader. Thus, they become transformative. It is then no surprise when we read history and how books were targeted in oppressive societies or how the CDCR, California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, states that, quote, gang leaders, end quote, are held in the shoes it is then no surprise why the state would want to prevent leaders of the oppressed from advancing their knowledge and keeping revolutionary theory away from its shoes. Amplified analysis of these concentration camps are needed more today. We know this because the state is attempting to smother this analysis, so it is a signal to unleash it as never before. Prison theoreticians can't theorize without the prison masses. Lumpen theory without the lumpen ain't shit. Lumpen theory should be one with and provide a clear translation of the challenges within prisons and define ways to combat the oppressive constructs. This should be written from the oppressed perspective. This is the only way to locate a real remedy to our situation. 
Theory is important, and its core theorizing is teaching, and teaching is liberating. The essential act, then, of the theoretician is to help the people to liberate themselves, not in the physical sense at this stage, but through their ideas. Their thought should advance, grow, and expand in ways that benefit the oppressed and distinguish the oppressor. The oppressor nation understands the danger of a thinking lumpen. This is because it will ultimately be the lumpen and third world people who finally put this baby to sleep. So prisoners have a major role in the future of the society. Being of the lumpen class, prisoners, when politically conscious, are amongst the state's biggest threats. Organized lumpen are the state's enemy. The state fully grasps this. It's why so many are tortured in isolation concentration camps. The prison writer, when striking up theory, is almost like a translator who delivers these truths to these control units and beyond. Oppressor's Literature As we begin to delve deeper into what a people's literature is, this analysis would not be complete without studying its opposite, which is the oppressor's literature and propaganda. One cannot fully understand any phenomenon without also studying its opposite, because one cannot know what propels the other to struggle. First, it's important to understand that as prisoners, our oppressor, the state, controls the media as far as mainstream news outlets, etc. The bourgeois press is the state's mouthpiece, so they support the state's view on its war on the poor. The poor are often labeled as criminals and worse by the, by the press. Because of the oppressor's grip on power, it has not just controlled the overall culture within U.S. borders for hundreds of years, but we were all mostly born and raised with the oppressor's view of history, of world events, of what is right and wrong. The oppressor has framed what is morally right for us and our ancestors. We have all attended the oppressor's schools, quote, schools, unquote, brainwash camps, and have learned to act in self-destructing ways. The oppressor has been so crafty that many third world peoples have been brainwashed into believing they are part of the oppressor nation. Even when they stand on land stolen from their people by the same oppressor. It's incredible. At some point in the process of consciousness, the oppressed will be faced with some critical junctures in the path forward. Freire describes these predicaments of the oppressed as, quote, Their ideal is to be men, but for them to be men is to be oppressors. This is their model of humanity. This phenomenon derives from the fact that the oppressed at a certain moment of their existential experience adopt an attitude of adhesion to the oppressor. Under these circumstances, they cannot consider him sufficiently clearly to object objectivize him, to discover him outside themselves. And Freire, quote, end quote, and Freire here even goes so far as saying, quote, the one pole aspires not to liberation, but to identification with its opposite pole. End quote. So Freire reveals that the reality of oppression can end up blurring the lines of oppressed versus oppressor to the point where some model the oppressor and seek out those same trinkets 
that lure the individualistic out into the abyss. Rather than wanting to get free, the oppressed can, can end up wanting to be oppressors. This is the real danger that is at hand for many people who suffer oppression. This process is nothing new. It is no big shocker and is not being discovered in this writing because we can look back to history and see it reappear over and over. It should then not surprise us if it arises in U.S. prisons. When we are dealing with the oppressor's literature or press, we have an uphill battle for sure. Writers are fighting a war of words with the people's writers on one side and our oppressor's writers on the other. So we should understand that one of their main weapons in these battles is to label us as criminals. For most out in society, the term criminal frightens them. Some prisoners may even become demoralized by this term. But we should understand this term since it is used against us so much. Crime in the U.S. is debatable because what is considered a crime in this society may not be a crime if this were another society. Crimes in the U.S. are political because we live in a political society. Because we live under an occupation where the laws are the laws of the oppressor nation, the colonizer's rules... It means its laws are questionable to say the least. When we liberate our land and rid it of the oppressor, we can install people's courts to determine what crime will be. Occupying another people's land will surely be seen as a crime. One author described crime as follows, quote, There can be no universal theory for crime because it is defined by the shifting boundaries of the law and law enforcement and the objectives of a given ruling class, end quote. <clears throat> Here the author reveals how laws in any given society are created by those in power. In the U.S., the ruling class has created laws which in most cases reinforces the oppressive nature of our reality. The poor are criminalized in ways which secure the state's grip on power. The term criminal is more of their propaganda which is used to divide the people and ensure that those on the bottom of the heap receive no support from anyone outside their class so that even within one's particular nationality, they are separated from the rest of their respective nation and looked down upon as a, quote, criminal, unquote. Because the oppressor controls the press and official documents, as well as the laws, they can write falsehood. And not only will much of the public believe it, but many prisoners may as well. Recently, CDCR passed out a new notice of change to regulations dated 6915, which states in part, quote, there is no solitary confinement in California prisons and the shoe is not solitary confinement, end quote. Many shoe prisoners, quote, in fact have cellmates. The conditions of confinement in CDCR facilities, including the shoe, have been reviewed and monitored by external agencies, including the Office of Inspector General, end quote. I read this notice, which is becoming the rules to the prisons in Califas, and as I sat in solitary confinement, I read about how the state is saying there is no solitary confinement. It made me think what our situation would be 
be like if no prison riders existed and the only thing that people out in society learned about prisons was from the oppressor? It would be a sad situation. The oppressor's press will continue to write as CDCR director Beard did in his op-ed for the LA Times during our hunger strike. By prisoners not engaging in creating literature, which promotes our struggles, it will not make the oppressors stop its literary offensive. It will only give up this battlefield to the oppressor. Conclusion. Education is something that the state attempts to keep out of our reach. If it is in our true interests, their attempts to ban publications and writings from prisoners in recent times reflects this. This is because revolutionary education leads to consciousness. Consciousness is the key to one's deliverance from oppression of all types. Prison writers are the visionaries, which take the prison experience and translate it to others in prison and outside of these concentration camps. The prison theoretician sees those paths which are not yet cut and inject theory into our world so that others can build on these thoughts. One of our strengths, even as prisoners, is in our writing. This is one way that we express that what cannot be expressed in any other way because of our location. The prison writer captures history and enshrines it in the annals of the people's thought. Imprisoned writers should propagate lumpen thought and keep it moving toward complete liberation of the people. There are many ways in which an oppressed people can struggle. Revolutionaries in Turkey, for example, had their armed underground wing, Kurdistan Workers' Party, the PKK, which has an urban semi-underground wing called the Union of Communities in Kurdistan, and an above-ground liberal wing called Peace Democracy Party, which has seats in the Turkish parliament. They correctly understand that there is a need for the oppressed to struggle on different levels. This is because there are different spheres to the oppressor. Prison writers need to be unleashed and work toward combating the state propaganda. We need our own press and our own cadre of powerful writers. And so that's the end of my pamphlet. That's uh, a pamphlet that I wrote while I was in Pelican Bay Shoe. Uh, I wrote in 2014. And um, once again, it was published in California Prison Focus and also in the Rock newsletter. Um, you know, anybody interested in, in rereading re it, um, you can go to www.prisons.org. And I believe you can just search either uh, Jose Villarreal or you can uh, search for the article itself, strike it up, and um, you should be able to find it. That's www.prisons.org. And, um, you know, I thought it was very important at the time um, to highlight the importance of literature, in particular prison literature, um, and, and, and the role that prison writers have, you know, it's a very important role. Um, and there's a lot of talented writers in prison, but not a lot of them, um, will publish their work, especially Rasa writers. 
you know, um, you know, and and so that needs to change. You know, Rasa need to um, continue to voice their um, struggle against the state. You know, and there's um, actions that are happening, hunger strikes and various legal um, lawsuits, etc. But um, there has to be more literature. More literature has to come out. And, um, and, and that was the purpose of that writing um, that I hope to spark uh, more interest in prison writers to contribute to this process of um, building public opinion um, in the prisons and outside the concentration camps. And um, we're going to take a short break. We're going to listen to a song uh, here. Um, this one um, was requested. Uh, my partner, Guayahui, requested this uh, called Iron Sky by Paolo Nutini. And so we're going to check this one out and, um, and we'll be back in a minute. FM, Pole People's Revolutionary Radio. I'm JV, and you're listening to Free Aslan. And uh, and that was a good song, Iron Sky, right there. Um, And it had a good message uh, to it. And we're back here on Free Aslan, and um, I just finished reading my pamphlet, um, Strike It Up. And, um, and, and, you know, it was, it, it means, you know, it's very. To me, it's very special to me, um, you know, as I wrote it, as I was in solitary confinement, 
um, struggling and resisting the state. Um, just like I struggle out here and, and you hear me uh, struggling against the oppressor, uh, this is nothing new. I was struggling in prison against the very same oppressor, so it doesn't stop. And, you know, I just want to give another shout-out to, you know, the political prisoners. They need to release all prisoners, and, you know, but we also have political prisoners. Uh, in particular, I want to, um, you know, we need to free. Uh, we have our Chicano political prisoner, Alvaro Luna Hernandez, who has um, been in Texas prisons uh you know, struggling against the state for decades, and uh, we need to release that brother. Um, you know, and um, and and now I want to get you know back to um, you know I got here, brother G seven, brother G seven. Welcome uh, once again to Free Aslan. Thank you, brother. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely, and um, you know, brother, for some of you who just started listening, brother G seven, he. Um, you know, he, he does his music. Uh, he's a cultural worker, a revolutionary cultural worker who brings um, revolutionary music to Free Aslan. And, um, you know, he's doing some powerful stuff. He got some, and, you know, brother, you know, he's um, here, part of the Free Aslan crew. And, you know, and, and he, he always has a positive message, a very progressive message. Uh, and liberating, med- you know, it's medicine, brother. It's it's liberating medicine that Thank you, you bring and um, through music, and and music is very liberating. Um, you know, our ancestors would listen to music and create music on on different, you know, flutes, different different uh, instruments, whatever it was, um, and they would create their own instruments and make. Um, beautiful music and and so music has always touched our people for thousands of years and it continues and and brother g7 he's working in that tradition uh only in the updated version of 2020 brother and and thank you brother for coming once again you know we appreciate your presence and you always bring um peace truth and and love uh with your medicine bro thank you thank you brother. absolutely you know. And that's, so we, that's what it's about. That's it, bro. That's and so, yeah, absolutely. And we, we, what do you have for us, brother? So, yeah, we, we just, uh, first I want to say happy birthday to my children. Happy mm. born day, my, my son Carlitos and my daughter Leah. Mm. I love you. Happy um, birthday. So, you know, uh, April, you know, we're no fools. You know that. Mm. You know, in Aslan. April, but we ain't no fools. Aslan, we, Aslan, we getting back <laughs> like to the that, bottom. That. We getting down to the bottom, period. Oh, and so, uh, to the bottom. you know, I just want to let everybody know that the coronavirus came from Colt 45 and them. Ooh. Behind the shenanigans with Budweiser and Heineken. Oh. He said any gathering, no more than 10 Americans, we might come together and turn him into a mannequin. Oh. Statue of Liberty really doesn't mean anything. Just another way to dehumanize the indigenous. In Aslan, they're killing us in increments. So many forms of genocide, it's ridiculous. Census is coming up. They need a head count. Most of us locked up or dead now. Cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians. Thanks for taking more than what was given to you. Thanks for faking and acting like you cared about us. Now take your hundred senators and get up out of here. Congressmen and the House of Representatives, Secretary of State and the Punk Attorney General. Self-determination. Is what it's all about, you know. That was just a little something that is coming. Up. It's in the making, but uh, you know, uh, it's one of them ones, man. It's, it's one of those things where we got to come together. We got to really rise up. Of course, they don't want us to gather more than ten people or come together with our family because we're strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, 
we're powerful when we're together. They've been doing that to us forever. Mm. So, I mean, we're tired of it. And so, uh, you know, we got some real professionals uh, writing the UNG, to the UNGA, the United Nations General Assembly. And it's time for the world to recognize what's going on here because everybody thinks it's all peaches and cream over here in, in California. And, oh, man, you got to see the Bay Area. Come on, man. This is They're killing us out here. Nobody tells us about what's really – Nobody talks about what's really going on in the hoods and uh-uh. reservations and mm. out here. Man, this is this is genocide. It's a form of genocide, man. It, some people compared it to the AIDS virus or whatnot, but it's basically inflicted by we know who, the capitalists. Uh. And so it's time that we just straight up, we got to really come together and, and uh, you know, Power in numbers, you know mm. that that's what it's about, man. We got to come together. It's 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 now or never. That's you know it, they're they're gonna they're gonna kill us all, mm. and it, it's serious. It's that serious. It is. Serious. So this coronavirus, whatever they want to, capitalist nineteen. I mean, we, we don't we're not buying it, but we're still taking safety necessary safety precautions. You know that we have to because we we do know that they kill us. Oh yeah, the anthrax, whatever you want to call it. Mm. But it's time we uh, really sweep them up out of here. And mm. uh, we, we have enough intelligent Get Chicanos. We got enough ch- uh, intelligent people here. We can really govern ourselves. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and and that's what I'm saying. It's about, you know, communicating with these these other leaders and, and, and really mm. freeing Aslan. Because Aslan is what it was called before the Spaniards came and called it America which means mm. love for rich. It just tells you right there that all they care about is taking from mm. people as long as they get rich. Mm. And I mean, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I, I love where I'm from, but I'm not from America. I'm from Aslan. Mm. And that's, that's what it is. So, And that's it. That's all. We're not taking no shorts. Universal recognition and self-determination. Mm. Google uh, that. Beautiful words, bro. Beautiful words. And... and you know the thing about this uh, virus, man. It it um, it 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 has isolated us. It's like almost uh, put everybody in solitary confinement, right? And then it, it's you know right at a time where I feel that um, people were really becoming um, more conscious. More people were getting involved in different things, and things were really starting to take off. And then they pull this. And it shuts everything down, you know, and not just in these false U.S. borders, but around the world. You know, there was a lot of stuff going on in Mexico as well um, and all over the world. And, and, and it just shut everything down. And, you know, and, and it's a horrible thing. So, you know, they're going to take um, advantage of this opportunity uh, and we have to take advantage of it as well. And, um, you know. If that means that, um, you know, we have to start doing more, um, more studying and more writing and more creating um, and more preparing um, for when things open back up, then that's what we need to do. And, and, and so in, in actuality, this might help us because when things open up, if everybody's working on their projects that they're supposed to, um, we might, you know, get a lot done, you know, because life takes up a lot of time, 
you know, in normal life when everything's up and running, you know, people have, you know, they have to go to work, they have to go, you know, babysitters, they catch the bus, the BART, they have to do this, they have to go over here. But now that everything's shut down, everybody has a lot of time. And so we got to use that time wisely. Uh, we got to, you know, use it in ways that further um, our struggles. So whatever area that may be, we got to take advantage of this downtime. I look at it like in prison, you know, when um, because, you know, uh, as many have said, the U.S. is like a prison. You know, it's like, you know, a prison house of nations. But in prison, you know, when there's a lockdown, um, people get a lot of stuff done. Because you can't get a lot of stuff done when you're going to yard, you're going to school, you're going to work, you're going to dinner, you're going to chow hall, you're going to day room, you're going to visit, you're going to this, you're going to medical, you're going to, you know, and you're all constantly in and out of your cell. You can't work on special projects, you know, so if you got special projects you're working on, you can't work on them. You got special projects, special assignments, uh, what have you. Um, and so I look at it the same. But when there's a lockdown in prison, everybody starts banging out their projects, banging out their, their assignments, banging out their little things that they're working on. So I think that um, out here, that I think that um, we should find them things that we've been wanting to do for you know, years putting off, putting off and start banging them out now that we're on lockdown. And then once the lockdown gets up and running, um, we should have a lot of things, you know, um, different groups, organizations should have a lot of posters, a lot of flyers, a lot of writings, a lot of articles, a lot of artwork, a lot of crafts, a lot of different things that, that, you know, you know, because it's easy to just turn on the TV and, um, you know, spend your and spend your time on you know uh, online and stuff so you know you gotta you gotta put it but brother we're gonna be um we're gonna be heading on out right now do you have any anything else you want to share before we go yeah uh just real quick mm -hmm. so uh this this is what it's called it's, it's reclaim aslan reoccupy we're doing this for for all the people you know but uh the chicano people are the common people that's a given fact and so um it's more than just about stolen land. It's, it's now about identity. We, the Chicano people, have been on a quest for a homeland since the 1500s, but really we're going to call it the 1846 when they came in the two-year war. You know, we really are not giving up until we get our land back. Mm. And uh, that's what it is, and mm. that's what it's going to be. And, uh, you know, I, got, I could leave on, on one little note, a little flow that I wrote. It goes, Quick, brother. posted by the water machete and bow and arrow. Aztec warrior versus Spaniard with double barrel. They came for our gold and our oil by the barrel. Trying to control, conquer, take over the world. Now I know Illuminati is taking the lead. And the creator is the only one we're going to see. But in the end, Aslan is going to be free. You already know. Aslan going to be free. Mm, and you heard it there. That's G7. Aslan's going to be free. And this is another uh, free Aslan, KEXU 96.1 FM, Paul People's Revolutionary Radio. And I'm JV, you heard G7, and we will see you next week.